Next up, number 655, December 24th, 2020. This is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the next step with Father Vodskin. We are the voice of Armadoxy, a weekly podcast started in 2008 that looks at life through the lens of Armenian Orthodoxy. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In these weekly episodes, you will find that Father Vodskin's messages are timely thought-provoking, and based on the solid principles of Christ's love, faith, and hope. Now, let's get ready to take the next step. Joy, eagerness, perseverance, obedience, and peace. There they are. Let me repeat them, okay? Joy, eagerness, perseverance, obedience, and peace. These are the things that we walk away with on Christmas Eve. Yes, I'm coming to you Christmas Eve, the next step, Christmas Eve. It's December 24th, 2020. And it actually, this these words come from a prayer that I met a few years ago. When I was listening to this incredible concert that Ian Anderson had given at a cathedral in England, and the rector of the cathedral had pronounced this beautiful prayer, and it just, it like touched me so much. And this past week, I've been sharing it at the different Christmas events. Monday, we had a uh, Bible study. Tuesday, we had our deacons, uh, deacons council. And just this evening, I gave the homily at the St. Leon Armenian Cathedral here in Burbank, California. And it's this prayer that I, I don't know the origins of it, but I want to just share it with you. It's, may the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child be yours this Christmas. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? And this evening I used it as the point for my homily because... It really is about the expressions of what we find on Christmas Eve. We read this story, right? This story of the wise men who seek him. We read the story of the shepherds in the field, of the angels singing peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And we see the image of Joseph and Mary on Christmas Eve. Mary, the mother of God, her time has come. Her husband, Joseph, looks all around to find a place for her to have this child. And there is no room. There's no room in the inn, says Holy Scripture. And so they end up in this barn. And a manger, you know, where where, where the horse and the 
barnyard animals they drink from. This manger becomes the crib for our Lord Jesus Christ. But more than the Lord Jesus Christ to us, in the grand scheme of the universe, you're talking about the Creator, you're talking the universe itself. So everything comes down to this point of singularity and this event takes place. And in this event are these characters, the angels who sing, the wise men who are instructed to go and follow a star and they go and they find Jesus and take they take gifts. The shepherds who are who are in their field and they're they're looking and they're seeing something going on. They're being directed to something. And of course, Joseph and Mary. And so now, with that in mind, let me read the prayer. May the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child, be yours this Christmas. Ah, the peace of the Christ child. Because with all of these people watching, with all of these people singing, with all of these characters, in the center of it is the Christ child who brings that peace to this world. I was very taken by this prayer. And, and I, like I said, I used it during the week, but this evening I shared it as part of my homily because something else happened. And you know, if you've been listening to the next step, you know where I come from. It's not just about taking that ancient, but it's about connecting the dots of that ancient to our lives today. And it turned out that our bishop did exactly that. Just a couple of days ago, we were having a meeting with the deacon's council. And our our primate, Archbishop Holman, was attending the meeting. And what we were doing this week, we did something a little bit different. We went through the, our, um, our, our different group meetings. For instance, our Bible study on Monday night, we asked everybody to express what does Christmas or a special story that's pertinent to Christmas or some meaning that Christmas has in your life. And I've got to tell you, it was one of my favorite sessions. I mean, it was personal. It was close up. There was stories. And it got people to talk about the essence of what faith is all about. You know, like Christmas is time when Jesus Christ is born. What does that mean in your life? What does that mean? Is that just a story? Is there a parallel to your life? Are there events that happened in your life? So some people reflected about childhood memories. Others talked about um, uh, about uh, certain events in, in their lives or what has happened. It was very, very personal and very beautiful for me. So the following night, we had our deacons meeting and the bishop was there. And, and everyone went around the room and he spoke. And it came time for the bishop to speak. And he rec he recalled an uh, an article that he had read just a day or two earlier. It was the fact that in Yerevan there were 216 young boys that were born. And 216 young girls that were born. I don't know what the time frame was that day, that, uh, over the weekend or whatever it was. 
But it was an interesting because they coincided. It was exactly split down the middle, 216 each. So he made the comment that 432 events of hope took place over that weekend. Obviously, each child is a reflection of that hope, the hope that there is a brighter tomorrow. That's what that life brings in. And he reflected about the Christmas message, about Christ being born. And the need to find hope in these children means that you are finding Christ in these children. It was just beautifully said. And it it, it pointed to something even more than just the fact that he, that he made this connection. It pointed to the fact of optimism. Ah. Now, why do I say this? Now, listen to how we started off today. We talked about the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child. All refer to an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Now, where's the connection to us? And that's what the bishop's comment was. It's the optimism It's the ability to hope. It's the ability to find hope inside of this story. I mean, so many times people go and they come into Christianity without finding that hope. In fact, one of the most beautiful things that I think was revealed Monday night at our Bible study was that each one of the stories that was told, each reflection about their personal experiences of where Christ was, there wasn't anything negative. There wasn't anything to the point where Christ came and condemned. and did. In fact, just the opposite. It was about a loving, compassionate, caring Christ who touches us in a very unique way. And that optimism which the Archbishop expressed is also important in the line with the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, the peace of the Christ child, for us to be able to perceive that 2,000 years later is to have that optimism to still hope, to believe that there is good, that good does triumph, that good is real in our lives, just as much as we talk about all the evil and the bad that is out there, we remember that good is really on the side of the universe. It, it was just a very um, interesting way of looking at this entire message, and um, a way of looking at it in very real terms that are necessary for today. Because the Christ, the, the Christ story... 2,000 years ago is history. The Christ story today is a reality. And both have to exist. Both have to exist. The history has to feed the reality. The reality has to feed the history. In other words, we have to see that past in through the, through the lens that we live in today for it to have meaning, for it to have a, a relevance, right? So, this is how I approach the homily today. Now, there was also something else that by um, uh, Tuesday night when we had the deacons meeting, uh, we went around and we talked about Christ being born in our lives. What does that mean and everything? And I had a chance to reflect about my own personal life. And you know, 
Growing up in the 60s and 70s, in a generation that saw a president assassinated, and only a few years later, in the heat of the civil rights movement, uh, seeing the, the a different type of emancipation for black people here in America, a different type in the sense that rights were being guaranteed, were being given, uh, the Civil Rights uh, Act was passed, and then in 1968 we see one of the leaders of that civil rights movement, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., being assassinated. And within a couple of months, we see Bobby Kennedy, the brother of the president who was assassinated. He was assassinated. So you had John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy both assassinated within the course of something like five years. Same time, there was this ugly war called Vietnam going on. We had a president, Nixon, who was caught, well, not immediately, but by the mid-70s, early 70s. He was caught and uh, he resigned from office. There was just, it was turmoil. We had the hippie movement, so it was a counterculture movement. Amidst that hippie movement, a subsection of that became a Jesus movement, where there was talk about Jesus being the one way to God and being, you know, an answer sort of to the Eastern transcendental meditation which had come into America. This is a wild, wild time to grow up in. But here's one of the things, and and we were talking about special Christmas stories, and I want to share this one with you because it was a very important Christmas message in my life. At the height of the Vietnam War, which was, like I said, ugly in the fact that this was, I know, you say that all wars are ugly. Absolutely, yes, all wars are ugly. But when I think about like what happened just now in Armenia, about a defense for your own land, in the case of Vietnam, we're fighting people on the other side of the globe. America was involved in this something, in this war, and for the most part, people in America did not know what we were fighting, except that we had been told that you know, it was to, to stop the communists from going forward but we were seeing pictures that were were reflecting the destruction of villages destruction of innocence and it was a very difficult difficult time for those soldiers for those people who went and they fought and then coming back to America and not being appreciated as as heroes so all this is going on and I remember something very specific during the Vietnam War. And that was called the ceasefire. That was called the ceasefire. And what happened is on Christmas night, Christmas Eve, which is today, they would make arrangements between the fighting parties that there would be a 24-hour ceasefire. And I remember as, as a kid, I mean, I'm in, my, I, I'm in my teens at this point. I remember thinking about this. This is odd. If they can have peace on December 24th and 25th, why can't they do it on the 23rd? Why can't they do it on the 26th? Why can't they do it on the 22nd or on the 27th? Why can't they just have peace? And 
I, I, I remember thinking about this, that imagine how powerful Christ is, that for the birth of Christ, the fighting opposite, opposite parties stop and they have and they um, follow through on a ceasefire. So recently, I would say like 10, 15, 20 years ago, when I was reflecting about this, I looked it up and I found out that ceasefires went all the way to the time of the First World War, where actually where you had two combating uh, groups as is the case with the Americans and the Germans, both of them being Christian, they would actually cease fire and they would cross over enemy lines and they would celebrate the Christmas holiday together. Yeah, they would celebrate together. And so again, it's the question like, okay, you're doing all this, you're celebrating together, now why can't you celebrate one day earlier? Two days later, five days earlier, ten days later, and just let's call it peace. And this never, 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 it was something that I never could understand. It never, never, ever made sense in my head. And just a few years ago, I, I talked more extensively about that. I will put a link on today's show notes to that episode. Um, because I have to confess to you that I did stumble upon that episode back in the days when when there was such thing as CDs, when the next step would come out, we would actually put out CDs, hard copies of the next step. I would say for the first four or five years, we had a, a wonderful young man who donated a CD duplicator. And we would just sit there during the week and we'd have volunteers come in and they'd duplicate these CDs. Well, I found one of those CDs and opened it up. And it was episode, if I remember right, 289. I will put a link on today's show notes to that episode. I I really, if you have time, if you have time, listen to it. It's really interesting where I talk more in depth about the ceasefire and about some other things related to Christmas. So this ceasefire idea was something that I never could understand. And it was really... An, uh, an opening for me to understand the power of Christ. The power in the real world. If opposing parties, if sworn enemies could stop killing one another in the name of Christ, in the name of Christmas, the birth of Christ, imagine how powerful that Christ is. And if Christ is that power, powerful, why can't we use that power? Why can't we harness it and start talking that message of love? And that's really where I come in with the Christmas message. That's what you hear here on the next step about this. Just let's get down to the bottom line. How did we Armenians do it? It was that that power to talk about that, that love and that peace that comes out of that love. I'm going to stop right there because uh, time that I want to play a song for you. It's a Christmas carol. Of course it is. It's Christmas Eve. And when we get back, I'm not going to go too long. You're getting a shortened version because I have to get going with some stuff and we have to get this over to Susie who has to get over with her stuff and we'll celebrate Christmas today. So without any further ado, here's my pick for Christmas Eve. 
song of the day. Joan Baez doing Little Drummer Boy, of course. And it's really one of my first, first carols that I really fell in love with. And I think it is that little portion where she says, that little part where she says, and then Mary nodded. Always gets to me. Always gets to me. It's just that, that the mother and child image, being in the manger, being in this scared situation. And... Mary nodding, like, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful, for this beautiful gift that you brought. I know, you're saying like, well, that was short and it was beautiful. So I'm going to give you one more, okay? Because, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Let's do something a little bit different, okay? So this one is John Schmidt doing a Christmas medley. It's, It's one that you can just kind of like relax to. Just listen in and and enjoy. John Schmidt.
I told you it was calming, right? <laughs> I hope you'll calm down by now. It's not, it's Christmas Eve, yeah. Santa's on his way. There's excitement. There's magic going on this evening. John Schmidt doing a Christmas medley. I'm sure you heard so many different numbers that 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 speak to you in different ways. I know they do to me, and I, I really love this rendition of of all of those Christmas carols because it is a time to just wind down and celebrate Christ's birth in a in a peaceful spirit. Like we ourselves need to put ourselves in peace. So those are my two songs for this evening. Before we wrap up today's show, first of all, I want to thank everybody who participated in the toy drive. You know, when this year, when we did the toy drive, we realized we were going to split it up between toys for here in in the L.A. area for children of domestic violence, which we've been doing for several, several years, and we realized we were going to be splitting it with kids in Armenia. And, And I personally really believed that we weren't going to have the numbers that we did for the for the kids here. I thought everybody would be giving towards Armenia. And they did very, very generously. There was a big donation for the kids in Armenia. And when I say big, it's not big numbers from one or two people. It was a lot of donations from small donations from here and there. And uh, we have a, a nice amount that's going to be transferred actually this week because Santa Claus goes to Armenia after um, a- after Christmas, after December 25th. So we have about a week before we need to get the toys over there. We've already made established contacts with our people over there, and we're going to be providing those toys coming up in the coming week. So um, I really thought that we wouldn't have the numbers over here. But, you know, the toy drive that we do is in the name of a young lady named Yvette Hagopian, who I got to meet through her death. She passed away. She actually lived exactly immediately across from the street from our church in Glendale. And one day there was just all kinds of commotion and everything. I did not know her. And uh, it was just police action, tapes and everything. And I went over to see what was going on to see if I could. I didn't even know that it was an Armenian family at that point. Uh, I, I want to just let you know, like in Glendale, this is like high density um, buildings, okay? And where our church was, it was there was a school, it was a youth center, and just high density um, uh, units. So people were in these these small little units, and we weren't sure who's who in this area. I was new in the area, and all of a sudden I see this police action and I get out there and I try to get over there. They tell me that it's an Armenian family and to minister to the, to the parents and the police wouldn't let me through. Yeah, I know you talk about the uh, United States being like this freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Well, they did not want a priest there because this was Glendale. Don't forget that in Glendale, the um, actually uh, during that time, the city managers, the city hall, the city council, they were very, very anti-religious, except for a small group which had bought into 
the the politics over there. And in very in very real sense, it's still like that in Glendale. But um, I couldn't get in. The police would not allow me to go in and minister to the family. And so it was the following day that I got a chance to meet with the parents. And honestly, what was that, 13, 14 years ago, the, the parents to this day are probably one of my closest friends, just really the closest people that I have um, in my life, just the nicest people um, who have seen this horrendous tragedy. Their daughter killed at the hands of a maniac, domestic violence dispute, and finding the daughter. I'll, I'll spare you the details of what it was about or how they found her, you can imagine. And and it was a year or two later that we said that, you know, in her memory, let's do something that would help people struggling through domestic violence, specifically to the children, to the children who are the innocent bystanders of domestic violence. You know, the the couple, they get into an argument and he said something, she said something, it's her fault, it's his fault. They go back and forth. But the one person whose fault it isn't is the little kids, the innocent bystanders. And we said, let's help these little kids. Let's do a toy drive. And this started off with uh, just a few, toys that first year. We did it in the name of this young lady, Yvette Hagopian, and it had it just went viral, if I could use that word, in the last 10, 15 years that we've been doing it. Just toys from all over the place for these kids. And this year I felt like it wasn't going to happen because we had the element of the Armenia toy drive. I said, well, people will probably split their donations and or they'll probably give toward the immediate need that's in Armenia. But lo and behold, we, we got quite a bit of donations, quite a bit of toys. We were surprised. And I was talking to the parents um, afterwards, after the delivery of the toys. And I said, and I confessed, I said, I didn't think we were going to have these toys. But I said, Yvette must have been watching over us. And there's these beautiful stories that happen like this where you can't explain it on realistic terms, but you realize that somebody's involved in this. Somebody who's beyond um, beyond the physical circumstances that we have, beyond the people that are working on that. And certainly I believe that Yvette had something to do with the way this year's drive turned out. So I want to thank everybody who got involved and if you gave toward the Armenia Project, God bless you. That's going. That's going in the next few days. And uh, it's going to get there. They open gifts on New Year's Day. So it's going to get there by the time New Year's rolls around. And they did promise me some pictures and some stories. So it's going to be very exciting stuff that that will unfold and I'll have a chance to share with you in the coming weeks. So that being said, I'm going to call it a day because it is getting late Uh, Tomorrow morning, Christmas. And here's the deal. Santa knows when you are sleeping. So I don't want to be awake while he comes by. And then all of a sudden, oh no. He went by because I was awake. So 
we're going to get some rest right now. Yeah, there's for other obvious reasons why I need rest. You, you kind of hear it, don't you? <laughs> it has been a wild, wild week. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to repeat the prayer that I said earlier. It is a beautiful one. May the joy of the angels, may the eagerness of the shepherds, may the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child be yours this Christmas. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. God bless you. On behalf of Susie, our producer, Ken, our technical director, this is Father Voskin wishing you a merry, merry Christmas. God blessings always with you and your family. I look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. When your own mother's hungry 
Against the pure thoughtless pleasures Remember, if you wish This is just a Christmas song Hey, Santa, pass us that bottle, will you? Anything else? Jesus is the reason of the season. Yeah, Jesus is the reason of the season? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good quote.